What is up, everybody? This is Ryan for the Scale Up Show. You're not going to want to miss this one. I have Richard White on, who is the founder and CEO of Fathom Video. Check this out. He, I've never heard this before. He was employee number one for one of the founders of Twitch, and they later sold the company on eBay. He then went on to create another company, grew it close to eight figures plus, and now on top of it, started another company through Y Combinator during the pandemic, and he unlocks his keys to virality, which he told me after the show, he's never shared with anyone before on a podcast. So you're not going to want to miss this. It's got the nuggets. It's got the goods. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Richard White. Richard is the founder and CEO of Fathom Video, which is a free app that records, transcribes, and highlights your calls so you can focus on the conversation. He's part of a Y Combinator in 21, and he's he's basically part of the 50 Zoom app launch partners as part of his company. Richard, happy to have you on the show, man. Ryan, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I kind of botched your intro again. I, I botched it before, so I'm not going to re-record it. We're going to roll with what I got. Perfect is the you know done's better than perfect, right? So yep. So let's get right into it, so people understand where you're at in your journey. I love your backstory, man. You have really really cool things that I think uh, would be inspiring for other CEOs and founders to hear. So um, why don't you talk about? Let's do the real quick revenue rundown. So in terms of your revenue, where are you get are at in terms of AR? We're at a big fat zero right now, Ryan. Uh, we we're doing uh, we're doing kind of a I think kind of a consumer model to a certain degree for B two B product where we focused on growth, uh, like growth and virality first, uh, and you know a, a strong PLG motion, and we're only now starting to look at bolting on kind of monetization. Okay, that's awesome. I'm excited to, to hear why you chose that in a little bit. So that's so you're at zero. Uh, where what's your what's your primary go to market strategy in terms of increasing uh, so, revenue? Or about yeah, so we, in terms of how we find folks, we, you know, so you mentioned kind of we were one of 50 launch partners for this new Zoom apps marketplace. So there's now like an apps tab inside of Zoom that launched about a year ago. We were one of 50 companies that were on that. We were basically the only startup on that. So we had to kind of like beg, borrow our steel, our way into that program. Because uh, everyone else is like, you know, Asana and Jira and stuff like that. And then there's like Fathom. And uh, we've really been able to leverage that. We're the number one app on that marketplace. So we get a lot of signups through there. Uh, and then we have a very strong, you know, referral and virality, viral loops, right? It's a product where when you're using it on a Zoom call, your other people could see like, oh, you're using a thing to record this call. It kind of naturally leads to, you know, you're kind of dragging us into your meetings, which gets us to you get your attendees to sign up. So those two things combined are a pretty powerful growth engine for us. And, and how, and I love that. Um, so how many users do you have now, roughly? If you're We're in the thousands of users, yeah. Okay. Every so, day. So can you explain a little bit deeper what your solution does exactly from a note-taking perspective and how it's unique? Because there's, there's a lot of different options out there right now in regards to it. Yeah, I think, you know, I saw that like, Taking like I'm really bad at taking notes. I'm one of those people where like if you put me on a call with a customer and I have to take notes, like I stop talking when I have to take my notes, and it's very awkward. Uh, and I also know that like you know you got this time pressure. Like I got to clean them up after the call, make sure they make sense, and then you know even after doing all the work, I'd often find that 
you know, I look at those notes two weeks later and be like, I don't remember exactly what was said here. Right. Or I'd read the notes from my sales team because I don't understand what was said here. So that was kind of the key insight. And, you know, we focus on real-time recording, real-time transcription. Uh, but the, one of the key things for Fathom is we also allow you to kind of like, while you're on the call, say like, this is an important moment in the call. And so there's a bunch of tools that maybe try to like automatically tell that. And we just don't think the AI is good enough to know this is an important part of the call. But we think that, you know, you always know like, hey, this is an important insight that I want to share with my product team or, oh, this is an important objection that I want to show my boss later or things like that. And so you basically would give you this little kind of like almost like a, you know, control panel when you're on a Zoom call. And so instead of having to put your hands on the keyboard and type whenever you hear something important, you just click that button and fathom. And then from that, we use AI to summarize the transcript, the important moments, and basically build out like a call summary, automatically fill out your CRM, automatically ship the right clips to Slack, kind of do all the kind of like post-call, you know, shipping things around. And so I think kind of what's unique about us is, one, we do all that stuff in real time. You know, you can get a, some places I'll give you a transcript, but they won't give you the video. And we think if you really want to see the person saying the thing, like the, the, you know, the emotions they have on their face, right? Like we're humans, right? Like we like seeing the other human and yeah. it, it really adds context to what's being said. So we do the video as well as the transcript. We do it in real time. We give you that transcript with about five seconds of the call ending. So you can immediately do all your post-call work and we do all this for free. So I don't think there's anyone else in the market that's doing, putting all those things together. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm sparking ideas here that I should maybe use it for my podcast as well. I, I, do you do a lot for podcasts? I, you know, it's funny. I when I go on every podcast I go on, they're just kind of like, oh my gosh, I should be using this for my podcast. Uh, yeah. So I think we've got a handful of folks that they use this for podcasting as well. All right. Well, as a friend of the pod, I, I commit to you that I will try it out and I'll, I will give you live feedback. But uh, I think it's awesome because that's one of the things. Literally, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, one of the things you're going to see is my screen was bouncing up and down while Richard was talking because my wireless keyboard went out. Um, and like a Jack and any, I, I have, I have fat finger it. So my screen was moving all around. So I will, I will make a huge effort not to do that this time. And I will get some, uh, <laughs> get some fathom on my, my, um, my computer. So, all right, I'll get back on track. Are you, how big is your team size? 12 of us. Okay. So you're 12, uh, small team, which is awesome. And then are you bootstrapped or backed? Uh, we're funded. So we've raised about five and a half so far. Nice. Congratulations. So Thanks. you went through Y Combinator and now you're back by five mil. So, yep. so walk us through that. What's your journey? And I want I want to share this. This is really critical because, you know, there's other companies that you founded and started. And, you know, I, I had um, one of your previous company's founders on here, Matt Young, just went live actually today, the day we're recording this. Or actually, no, it was yesterday. I'm sorry. So it was, it's not that ironic, but still pretty ironic that we're, we're recording. Close so, enough. Yeah. Well, so walk us through the, the history, man, how you got here, because to to j- just explain your story and how you got here today. Sure. Um, so real high level, uh, my, my original background is computer science programmer uh, turned kind of product designer. Uh, and then early in my career, I, I kind of have a unique opportunity where I kind of like cold emailed these guys who were doing a, what I thought was a pretty cool startup and told them their product was really technically cool, but the product, the design was terrible. And to their credit, they didn't just delete that email. They actually responded and I ended up working with them. And that led to me working with this company called Kiko, which was in the first batch of Y Combinator uh, okay. many, many years ago. And so that was great because I got to meet some really, really great folks. The, the Reddit was founded in the same room as Kiko. Uh, the guys that did Kiko went on to do Twitch. And then that was kind of like how I kind of broke into the startup, startup world. Uh, soon after that, I moved to California, started user voice, 
ran that for 12 years. User Voice was also kind of VC backed. Uh, and then uh, started Fathom fall of 2020. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, being kind of the second funded startup I've done, it's completely different than the first one, I feel like, especially, you know, the big time difference between the two. But the biggest difference is I feel like it's like playing a video game again. You know, it's like playing an old video game again for the second time. And this time you're like way better at it because you kind of can speed run it. You know, kind of how to play the game this time. Right. Um, I feel like your first time, like when I was starting user voice, I, it's kind of like playing Minecraft for the first time where you like get dropped in this world. You're like, I don't know what to do. And you know, it takes you like two <laughs> hours to figure out like, oh, you got to punch the tree to get wood from it. Right. Like it, you just don't know. Right. And the second time around, it's like. Oh, I, I immediately drop in the game. I know exactly how we're going to try to play it this time. And so it's kind of been fun to be speed running startups, if you will, this time around. So started with a good team, start raise money like from day one, um, you know, started thinking about go to market from day one, started building out the product from day one. So a lot of things moved a lot faster with Fathom, which has been a lot of fun. So Richard, can I stop you right there? Because I, I want to ask, like, you, I think that's a great analogy with punching wood on, on Minecraft. I'm a big gamer myself back in the day. Not a big Minecrafter, mind you, but... You know, I got an old school video game machine in my basement with like 500 games on it. You know, nice. some of the classics. Right. Um, but here, here's the question I have for you. What is the single biggest learning experience you had from, you know, startup one to now? Hmm. I think that, you know, my background is like product engineering. So I think going into the even user voice, I had a good idea of like how to build product, right? Like, or had some sense of it. I think that the challenging thing was, you know, being a product founders, I had zero understanding of what it meant to what marketing meant or what sales meant or like, you know, other than the intuitive stuff, right? Like, oh, you talk to people and try to convince them to buy it, right? But there's, you know, one of the things why Comedy generally tells you to do is like to figure out which billion dollar company, uh, which billion dollar companies like go to market you're going to copy. Um, because, you know, there's only so many kind of go to market different options, right? And you just, you know, you gotta know what those lanes are and then figure out how to, which one makes sense for your business and know how to execute against that. And like, I think this, the first time around, I had no idea what the lanes were, what the options were. It was kind of like, you know, I, I, I didn't even know it turns out I was ordering off an a la carte menu, but I didn't even know what the, what the menu items were. Um, and so I think one of the nice things is user voice gave me an opportunity where like, I ran a marketing team. Like I hired in people and worked with good marketing people. And I like ran the marketing team for a bit, hired in good salespeople and worked with them. And now, you know, understand what that means. And so that's, I think kind of the biggest unlock is now I'm like a more like a T-shaped entrepreneur, right? Where I still have depth in building product, but now I have some breadth and understanding at least at a really high level. Here's how, here's what the other components of the business need to be. Here's what we need to bring them on. Here's the types of, you know, programs we want to run here. Here's the types of programs that don't make sense here. Uh, and that just speeds up a lot. Okay. I think that's a great summary. And I think the other thing too, is you're, you're being a little modest about user voice um, just because, I mean, user voice isn't just like a, a tiny little startup. I mean, you grow it and it's approaching, you know, eight, eight figures, eight figures plus right in that area. Right. Um, yeah. That range. So like, it's not like it's a, you know, you haven't hit a million yet. I mean, you did a great job with that before you decided like, hey, I'm going to start another one, you know. <laughs> so um, and here's what I would say, too, is like from your perspective, you mentioned there was which billion dollar go to market strategy are going to copy. How many go to market strategies do you think there are? Less than 10. Really? Can you name yeah. them? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you think about every large company that started in the last like 10 years, you know, Marketplace, like, you know, ad marketplaces, SEO, uh, viral, uh, you know, D2C, 
you know, like basically you could take every marketing channel. So I think it's the interesting thing that, that this, that question also under, underscores, which is if you look at most large companies and you look to see how they're doing go to market, they're doing all the things, right? If you go look at like HubSpot, they do all the things, right? They do like blogging, they do events, they do, right. you know, outbound, they do inbound, they, you know, they, they do it all. And so I think most startups or most founders make the mistake of saying like, oh, I've got to do it all. But if you go back and look at the beginning, HubSpot was all about inbound marketing, right? Like they, like they built out an audience, they did all content marketing first, and that's how they built their brand. But if you look at it now, you wouldn't know that, right? Um, you know, similarly, like there's there's things, you know, other pro, other companies where they got their complete start like we did on a marketplace, right? And then they may branched out from there, but all their first, you know, 10,000, 100,000 people came through a marketplace. And so that's where I think you've got to find like one channel, like, that's going to like get you, you almost like you almost have like a cold start channel. Like what's going to get you like a thousand users. And then what's going to get us from like a thousand to a hundred thousand. Right. And it's not going to be 13 different channels. It's going to be like one. Uh, and so that was the unique thing about Fathoms. Once we saw this like opportunity open up to, you know, get on the Zoom marketplace, marketplace opportunities open up very rarely. And so when they do, you really got to like run, not walk towards jumping on them. Yeah. And so like, that is, I mean, that's super unique that as a startup, you're able to get, how did you make that happen? How did you get on Zoom's marketplace as like one of the, is the only startup, right? Or one of the very few yeah. startups to get on there. Yeah, it was interesting. We, we tried a lot of things. Like we, we, you know, we started the company and we started building this and then like Zoom announced this and we kind of, I had this like freak out moment because I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect for us, but we're not involved at all. We actually went about like trying to intentionally get investors that had connections to Zoom uh, I like went through my network to get interest to people at Zoom. But at the end of the day, actually, the thing that worked was I just sent a cold email. I figured out who the the like program man, like manager was for this project. And I emailed him directly and I just wrote this very like, hey, heard about your platform, think it's great. Here's I think we'd be a great fit for it. Here's why. And, you know, kind of like that email I sent to the Kiko guys way back in the day, Justin and Emmett, and kind of got into the startup. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Let's get you involved. And it was kind of like, you know, it was one of those things where like, we kind of like punched a wall for like weeks trying to get in and then just sent one email and great. It's all, it's gravy. So the power wow. of cold email. Good That's cold fantastic, emails. man. Do you, do you still have a copy of that email? Yeah. Can you, can you share it? I'd love to see it, man. Like okay. I don't have to share it with everybody. Well, I, I could share it with everybody if you're open to it, but I think that's absolutely amazing. Like I would just love to see that and like love to, I mean, you could black out the name or whatever, but just, <laughs> just the content, right? I think that's, that's so a good cool. idea. Yeah. yeah. Would you be open to that? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take it back. Look back, look back at it make sure there isn't anything in there, but I Any can't it. Yeah. yeah. Do that. But that, that's like one of the coolest things. Okay. So massive respect. And then the Kiko side and the, the other thing that you glossed over with Kiko, right? Is you got in there? Did you co-found the company then? Were you one of the co-founders? No, I was actually I was one of like the first. I was like the first employee. Okay, so you're an employee, and you work for the guys that eventually created Twitch, right? Correct. Yep. But here's the cool part: you didn't talk about eBay, right? What what happened with eBay? That's the part you left out. Oh yeah, so so Justin Khan, who was one of the co-founders of Kigo, went on to be co-founder of Justin AV, turned Twitch, has always has these like crazy kind of like marketing schemes and want to, and for this one, when we decided to sell the company, it was, actually we decided we didn't want to work on this company anymore and didn't want to get Aqua hired. Uh, and so it's like, great, we're just going to sell the company on eBay. And I was like, okay. And just didn't think anything of it. Uh, it was like, uh, okay, that's not going to work. And then it kind of didn't work. It was like a seven day auction. And you know, the first <laughs> half of that auction, 
people writing articles being like, look at these idiots, like what a joke. Right. And they're kind of making fun of it. Um, and then it sold for like a quarter million dollars on eBay. And then they were writing articles like, is this the future of M&A? And people were like, you know, so it was kind of a hilarious uh, turn of events. Right. And, you know, I don't think it was like a significant outcome uh, for anyone, but it was kind of like created a lot of awareness. And actually, like, you know, I did like a freelancing career for two years after that, just based upon the exposure that selling the company on eBay and all the press that came with it got. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I mean, that's hyper creative. And I just it's funny. It's, it's, funny. It's, awesome. it's, it's really hilarious. It's yeah. great story, Turns out man. it's not, by the way, if, in case you're wondering, it was not the future of M&A. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that's, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, here's the weird thing. You'll see collectibles listed on there for a million dollars now. I mean, like, that's true. which is yeah. insane, right? Um, yeah. But beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So let's get back on, on track here. We, we got a lot about your history, some really cool things that you did. So um, let's talk Let's talk about Fathom right now. So you, you were running a company in the middle of the pandemic, and then you decided like, hey, I'm going to, I want to do this. Or how, how did that happen exactly? Because that's really cool. And then I want to get into just how the solution works and, and the outcomes it creates and things along those lines. Yeah, I think, you know, I had an epiphany, I think the year before we started Fathom that uh, it was probably time for me to step aside, right? I've been running user voice for 12 years. And every year I generally ask myself two questions. Like one, is this company uniquely qualified to teach me something? And two, am I uniquely qualified to lead it? And I think it was 2019 was the first time I said no, right, on one of those. And so, you know, had some, you know, had a great executive team, you know, which Matt was a part of and kind of was like, look, maybe I should, you know, I actually, before thinking about stepping down, I actually, we started kind of like a skunk works team, to just build out new products and do product, new product investigation. And so I kind of took a small team there, which was kind of nice. It allowed to have kind of this transition where I could step into kind of a startup like role that provided value to user voice, but while also kind of elevating kind of the, the future, you know, soon to be leader of the company into the role without giving them the pressure of the title and all that sort of stuff yet. And she'd be like, great, you can start doing the job. Uh, and so there was kind of this nice transition period. And, uh, you know, I think through that, I realized, yeah, oh yeah, I really like the zero to one phase. I love building new products. Um, unfortunately, the, the products we were testing didn't test as well as we would have liked. And so they turned into features rather than whole products um, at user voice. But instead that kind of got me the itch for, okay, it's time to do something new. And also like my experience doing that was, you know, I think I was in service of this new product research. I was on hundreds of Zoom calls and we we're testing out this other product we were building. But while we were doing that, that's where I was like, oh my gosh, in doing hundreds of Zoom calls, taking hundreds of notes and trying to communicate that back to the team, I was like, this is this is really painful. Um, and like, this is a big problem that probably more than more than just me has. And so that was kind of the genesis for, okay, we were already starting this transition for me to exit the company, right? And, and just transition to, to a board only uh, participation. 
And then I kind of stumbled on this idea and was like, oh, okay, this is the next thing. That's awesome. I love that. And um, so taking it from there, like what's your path to monetization? Because like user voice for for those of you that didn't listen to the episode has a totally different go to market motion that I that I'm seeing. Right. It's it's more it's sales orientated. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of a mid market deal size. And so to go with a freemium model, like what's your path to monetization and your vision for it? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think we think this is kind of a, a really, you know, we've kind of thought about this business in two phases, like a the single player mode. You can tell I've got like uh, my video, video game analogies. It's at a multiplayer mode. And the single player mode is like, you know, we want any sales rep at any company just to be able to go up to the Fathom website, you know, immediately get value, start using it, experience it, love it, share it with their team. Uh, and then we kind of see this natural transition where at some point enough people on the team start using it where we go have a conversation with the manager and say, hey, look, there's like a, you know, you should roll this out across your team. And that's a more of a natural place, I think, to, you know, ask someone to pull out their credit card when it's like, oh, we're going to help you as a manager or as a you know, team lead or as a founder CEO be able to kind of, you know, this empowers your team. But now you also there's like a side of it that you want to see. You want some visibility into what's happening on these calls and you want to be able to jump into the parts that matter to you. And so there's kind of this natural progression there where we see kind of, we could put up a, a paywall or some monetization while maintaining a free product right on the front end, which is important for that viral growth. So what's your timeline for that? And like, how would you decide when to introduce that? Like, how do you decide now is the time we make a shift and add that paywall? Like what KPIs are you looking for? How do you plan on kind of implementing that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think sometimes in, it, it's tough sometimes because a lot of times in startups, you have the tendency to like do everything at once, right? And massively do everything parallel. But I I think it's sometimes important to like, okay, we want to first prove, you know, before we even worry about monetizing, we want to, pr- we first try to prove out retention, right? We want to prove out like, if we get people to start using this, what do we, let's make sure we build a product that they just naturally come back to and use over and over. And so we kind of focus on retention first. And then we focus on, okay, now that we've proven that once we get people, you know, you know, to some level of usage, they stick with it. Now let's focus on growth and figure out, can we grow this? Because if we can't retain them, there's no sense growing them. If you can't grow them, there's no sense monetizing them, right? Because um, I think for, you know, we're trying to get something that has real escape velocity. And so let's focus on growth. And all these things are really hard. Like, I think, you know, we spent, you know, we launched last fall, like August of last year. And I thought we had like a pretty good product, a pretty good onboarding process, yada, yada. Turns out we had like a terrible onboarding process. We thought it was pretty good, but like we two x our like onboarding like success rate over you know, the next five six months. But we had to spend five six months of like engineering time, constantly improving it, reading the numbers, and proving it again. And so uh, I think also in the venture world, it's like better to not do a thing than to do it poorly. And then you know you'd hate to kind of like halfway do monetization and then you get kind of these middling revenue numbers and then you're going to get ding for middling revenue numbers. So we kind of think about taking things in serial and like making sure we, we've basically checked one stage. And so now we feel like we've really nailed the growth stage. What's now, now we're ready to like, let's focus on monetization and revenue. Okay. So uh, let's, let's dig a little deeper on that. So you're saying mm-hmm. the, um, the, the customer success or that implementation phase is what you really, your customer experience really needed to nail and you mm-hmm. said you you started off, you thought it was good. What were your metrics when you thought it was good? Yeah, so I'd say, you know, stage one was like, let's make sure, 
nail retention. And so we just looked at week over week retention, right? And looked to see whether we get some like, you know, and honestly, just even anecdotally in our beta period, we got to a point, we did like a nine month beta, private beta. And we saw at some point, okay, once we put people into this beta, they keep using it. Uh, The next metric we looked at was like onboarding rate, right? And we got, you know, once we get our onboarding rate to like above industry standard, we're great. We can focus on growth. And then for growth, we focused a lot on like week over week growth, but we also just looked at also like K factor, which is virality. So like how many, for each user that signs up, how many users do they generate and trying to get a K factor that's over one. Uh, And so, and then, you know, now we're, you know, after we've checked all those gates is now what we're looking at in terms of monetization. So, so yeah, it's growth not, rate, okay. retention rate, and K factor would be the three metrics we've been looking at. Okay, and so what, what were you looking for for a retention rate? Um, you know, they were just looking for does it plateau, right, or is it plateau, right? Like, yeah, you know, products without product market fit, you generally see these week over week retention cohorts where they just kind of like it's a diagonal line that just kind of goes keeps going down to zero. And what we're looking for is like, what's the time to uh, like when it starts plateauing, we actually can hold people, right? You're, you're never going to get 100% retention, right? But at what point do you find some point where you find a floor, right? And you find a footing and people just keep using it after that. And so it took us, you know, probably five or six months to kind of get to that point too. And retention is difficult too, because it takes longer to get the data, right? Like right. onboarding data moves very quickly. Uh, even, you know, uh, viral data moves pretty quickly. Retention data has moved very slowly. So it takes a while to really like see those results to a certain degree. So walk us through. Okay. So I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And so when you're talking about K factor, can you just explain that for, for folks that haven't heard of that term before? Yeah. It's basically just, you know, for every person that signs up, how many other signups do they generate? And, you know, a product is considered viral or if it's like K factors over one, which means for every user that signs up, they generate at least one more sign up themselves, right? Um, and so what, and that could be, you know, they, back in the day, you know, if you, the original kind of like Facebook apps and stuff like this, if you remember like the farm bills and stuff like that, they achieve virality by like, oh, you install this app and then it like tries to trick you into like spamming all your friends with it. Or, you know, it posts stuff to your feed constantly to get other people to like click through and sign up. And so they were tracking kind of like what the K factor was there. And so, um, so that's, anyways, that's K factors. How many users does each user generate? So where are you guys at K factor wise now then? We're over one. Um, the interesting, interesting thing for us is like, whereas a lot of those other, like, like a, like a farm build type thing, uh, you know, I think a lot of their virality was up front where it's like, you know, one out of 20 people will spam a hundred people. Right. And like of those people, enough people will, you know, sign up. Right. And so it all happens pretty quickly. Also a little more elongated because what happens is, you know, there's some percentage chance that any attendee of a meeting where Fathom is being used will turn into a sign up. And so, uh, and so we've been looking at a lot of like, how do we increase the rate at which attendees sign up for Fathom? But it almost, our, our virality looks more like an annuity, right? Like every month each user generates, you know, you know, some number of, you know, some percentage of new users, right? And so it just continues to stack up as time goes on as they stick with the product. And so when you combine that with some sort of floor on retention, right, as long as you can retain those folks at some point, then they're just constantly generating, you know, throughout their lifetime, constantly generating new users, which is different than the like Farmville virality, right? Where it was like all front loaded. So you have extremely steep curves up front, Ours is more like kind of backloaded, right? So it's like all, over time, you know, aren't every every month our customer base by the gets larger and their 
on calls with, you know, many thousands more people and those turn into larger, you know, more signups and stuff like that. So it's a pretty fun flywheel to see start working because we always hypothesize that's how it would work, but now we actually have the data to back it up. So did you design that then from the get-go so that people could see it, like that weren't using it? That was like the initial thought or did that kind of happen organically as you're going along? It kind of happened. I mean, that's kind of the only way to do it. There's really no way to like really effectively do this kind of product without everyone in the meeting seeing it. And then for like legal and compliance reasons, it would be, there's probably tech- ways you could technically do that, but then the legal and compliance liability of like allowing people to like record anonymously or like without consent is pretty scary. So just a function of how these products work is kind of, you know, makes it kind of work that way. But the problem is like, I think a lot of products that do recording, if you're familiar with like things like a gong or something like that, they're not free products, right? They're like very expensive products. And so, you, you know, we looked at that and said like, oh, there's like potential for virality here, but certainly no virality if you're a, you know, 60K minimum product, right? Like that's yeah. not going to work, right? Exactly. So we knew we had to build a, you know, that's why we knew we had to build a freemium model on this uh, and, you know, just get really good at driving down the operational cost to be able to afford doing a freemium play. So, I think that's wicked smart. And I love the analogy. You're, you're dropping some great analogies, Richard Hare. Like, you know, you got single player mode, multiplayer mode, like former video game nerd myself. Um, the other one I liked is the annuity, though. That You're like, basically, the virality is like an annuity because as it goes on, more people they meet with see it and then more people adopt it. Is there any kind of incentives you're leveraging for people to share with their friends at all? Yeah, we do a number of different things. I mean, one, we, we have like a point system. Uh, in the app where we give you points for doing different things. And those points are basically like raffle tickets that enter you into a drawing to win $1,000 every month. Um, so we do some, we do a point system and we find some people get incentivized by like potential to win the raffle. Some people just like having more, having points more than their, their, their colleagues. Um, we also do a thing where we have a kind of a program for like our top users. And like, we kind of have a bunch of signals to identify who our top new users are. We, you know, get them on the call. We send them swag boxes. And for our top, top users, people that are sharing, you know, advocating for us on LinkedIn, talking about us, we actually give them small equity stakes in Fathom itself. Shut um, up. Yeah. Okay. So, how does that work? I've never heard of that before, but that's, that's, that's wicked cool. So how does that happen? Yeah. It, we're really just kind of, um, you know. A lot of startups have advisors, right? And they generally have like, you know, we got a couple like industry experts that are advising the company. We give them some small stake in the company, but usually have like three to five. And we're just kind of, and we we kind of stole this idea from a few other startups that have done this, but we're just going to say, look, we're going to have hundreds of advisors. They're going to be our top early users that are giving us great feedback and and advocating for us, right, with their, in their networks. Um, And so you basically just give everyone, it's basically through advisory agreements, right? You're basically putting, giving everyone an advisory agreement so they can get equity in the company. Wow. Love that model, man. Appreciate you sharing the details too. That's wicked smart and uh, very, very unique. So um, so what would you say right now is your biggest challenge that you're running into? I mean, the next biggest challenge for us is just going to be monetization, right? Like we're, we're just starting off into you know, this next phase and right there's a, we're still figuring out like, what are the right? What is the right pricing model? What are the pr- right price points? Um, you know the you know what is the right packaging? Right. That's I think uh, <laughs> there's you know pricing is I think one of the hardest things to do in SaaS, right? And so uh, and that's kind of why we didn't want to do it until we had enough people to go really price test this with and understood the product. But that's going to be the next big challenge for us. Okay. 
So, so we're, we're just about up on time and, uh, you know, I could talk to you probably for another hour and some of this, I love nerding out on this stuff. So we're like, let me ask you a couple of questions and then we'll give it a wrap. We'll tell people where they could find you and, and where they could get fathom. And, you know, we could even put it in the show notes if that's helpful for you. We could put a link. So if people want to sign up and get it for free, they could, they could leverage it. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right, ma'am. So, um, What's, I guess like a couple questions for you. Like what's your favorite tech tool that you use right now that you wouldn't be able to live without? Favorite tech tool that I couldn't live without? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, we've started using, we've we built a lot of our, I mean, I, my initial answers are kind of boring, right? The ones I can't live, with, live without are like Slack and, and HubSpot because uh, we built the whole company around that. And as a fully remote company, right? Like, a lot of our internal automations, it's all about like having good Slack channels and grooming them and, and stuff like that. So, but that's, I feel like that's a pretty boring, boring <laughs> answer. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I've got, I mean, outside of our own product, I don't feel like I've got a ton of like, I like, I use, I don't even use like a to-do manager. I just use Google Docs for this sort of stuff. So I'm a little old school in this way, but <laughs> I, right. we use HubSpot for the first time. And I've been really impressed with HubSpot, especially building out automations HubSpot. So much of our organization runs through autom- automations in HubSpot that are like routing things in the right place. That's awesome. Um, and then where would you say the future of tech is going over the next few years, next three to five years? I mean, I think uh, I think there's a lot of advances being made in AI. Um, it's interesting because a lot of like AI, I feel is like heavily marketed five years ago. But all the things that were initially marketed as AI were not AI. They were all behind the scenes, a bunch of like hard coded, like you know, basically if then statements. Um, and so for the first time we're starting to see like this stuff kind of hit a tipping point where it can be real useful. Like we just started, when we started, we didn't even have AI summarization, right? We could do the transcript, but we wouldn't, you know, we just give you that, like you said, like, Oh, this part of the call is important. Great. Here's a transcript for that part of the call. We're now using AI to say, we can take like a, okay, you said this one minute clip was important. We've got the one minute transcript, but we can compress that transcript into two sentence, a two sentence summary using AI. Mm. Uh, and it's actually pretty accurate. And so, there's a lot of things. We're finally getting to the point where it, the AI tools and and uh, models and stuff like that are, are getting good enough that very quickly I, I could see us. You know, a lot of things will become truly automated in the next year or two. Excellent. Well, we're, unfortunately, we're up on time. Uh, Richard, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Fathom Video? And then we'll have it a wrap. Great. Yeah. If you're interested to check out the product, it's fathom.video. Um, actually, if you go to fathom.video slash pod, uh, you'll be able to skip our wait list. We have about 50,000 people on the wait list. Uh, and so we're always trying to bring new folks on. But if you go to that link, fathom.video slash pod, you'll skip right over that. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not much of a Twitter person. So if you want to reach me, just ping me on LinkedIn. Always happy to chat. And he's got a digital headshot too. So that, that's the Richard White. I'm sure there's other Richard Whites down there, but he's the one that looks like a video game, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks it's an NFT. It's not an NFT. It's just <laughs> it's just an eight bit like headshot. That's cool. Okay, I get it. Uh, when we wrap, I'm going to ask you where you got that because I like it. So, yeah. anyways, it was awesome having you on the show, Richard. Thanks. I love yeah. the the nuggets that you dropped, your journey, and then where you're going. So, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's been fun. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering 
in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.